Hey guys, welcome to episode 7 of the Jay's Love Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Manley, and on tonight's episode, Rick and I are going to discuss track toolkits and what tools we bring to the track. We're also going to touch on tow vehicles. If you guys do this hobby enough, I promise one day you'll be shopping for a trailer and truck of your own. So take a couple minutes and uh, hopefully you guys get something out of this, and uh, I guess we'll name this Toolkits and Tow Vehicles. Hey guys, welcome to episode number seven of the Jay's Little Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Manley. I'm here with Mr. Stengard. Rick, how's things in Atlanta tonight? Man, it is beautiful to be in Atlanta tonight. Gotcha. So you're actually home? I am. I put my kids to bed. It was a good night. All right, so no truck stops tonight. Uh, we have a special guest. You guys may remember him, Mr. Levitt. How are you doing tonight? I am awesome. How are you guys? Uh, we're, we're hanging in there. So... Uh, the reason why we have all three of us back tonight is combined, we probably have thousands of miles on track. Uh, but part of that means we're fixing cars a lot and we're traveling a lot with our cars. So uh, tonight's uh, podcast is dedicated to our track toolkits and uh, also a little bit of our, our tow vehicles, what we use to get our cars to all these various tracks. So um, you guys might already have a kit assembled of your own, but uh, you might hear something that we have in our kits that you don't have yet. And so a lot of this stuff is from experience. Uh, some of it you might not have even thought of. Uh, there are some basic stuff that everyone already has, but uh, we figured it'd be educational for some of you guys. So um, we will jump right in. Um, I guess I'll start with you, Rick. Um, I asked you to do some homework and maybe pick out 10 things you stock your toolkit with. Uh, so what did you come up with? And uh, maybe we'll uh, dive into that a little bit. Perfect. So to preface this, I'm going to talk about being a, a new track guy, right? We're, I'm not talking about being a professional racer like Gino or like Patrick, where we're you know, going and beating on cars really hard. I'm talking about what's likely to happen the first five or 10 days you're out there. And so my toolkit's based around, I mean, everybody can bring the sockets and pliers and, you know, screwdrivers and all that, but what are you likely to use? And so I started, I thought back, what have I used out of my toolkit? And I'll be honest, it really boils down to probably five things. I don't even need all 10. A torque wrench, because you're going to take your wheels off and on. Sooner or later, you're going to want to see something. You're going to want to look at your brake pads. You, you, there's going to be something you can't get to. And when you put it back on, you want to make sure you got that torque wrench to actually check that your wheels are torqued. I know we asked that on the text sheet, but somehow I don't feel like everybody does that every time. So that, that'd be my number one is a torque wrench. Um, high up on the list is zip ties. I would say more often than I've had to actually fix something, I've needed to pull something out of the way or bundle up a cord or, you know, just hold something together that's, you know, not critical. And so the zip ties are, are huge for that couple of different sizes and some pretty big ones, or you can always daisy chain little ones. There's the venerable jack, because if you're going to take the wheels off or a wheel off, you need to get the car up somehow. And a lot of people have jacks. If you can't get one into your kit, you don't have the money, there'll be somebody at the, in the paddock with a jack and, there's nothing wrong with coming to borrow a jack. We've all done it. Um, after that, this may be really, really obvious, or it may be a really good catch, but paper towels, mechanics gloves, or disposable nitrile gloves, and brake cleaner. I can't count how many times I have gotten really, really dirty looking at something in between sessions. And then you wipe it on your suit, you wipe it on your car seat, and then you get it on your clothes, you wipe it on your steering wheel. So just having something to clean up with goes a long, long way. And then my go-to is always the three 18-volt tools that you need. An impact gun, which is a luxury, but man, is it nice. An air pump and a flashlight. And with that, I, I think you can't go wrong. 
it's always a good idea to have some spare parts, but that wasn't part of Gino's question. Well, I'm just going to kind of just let everyone know. So we, we, what we learned tonight is Rick's car is oily, dirty, and held together with zip ties. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but, Gino, what you didn't hear is it doesn't break. It's a Miata, so you just go drive it. There you have it. What about you, Scott? What did you, what did you come up with in your toolkit? Well, I can vouch for what you just surmised. You can get dirty standing next to Rick's car, more or less touching it. So. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are brutal. <laughs> All right. Well, actually, so, Rick, you brought up a whole bunch of, a bunch of good things, and a lot of them are on my list. So everybody knows that I'm a, I'm a Milwaukee Tools fanboy. So the first thing on my list was my Milwaukee Fuel Impact Gun because – because it does everything. It takes stuck lug nuts off. It takes them off quickly, back and forth, on, off, whatever. It's amazing. It's the best tool ever. And because if you kind of buy all the tools in the same brand, you can just use the same batteries over and over. Um, so actually, talking through this, I'm going to add another one. I have this big Milwaukee stand-up LED spotlight. It's kind of like an area light. And how many times in the morning or late when the track's closing down or you're unloading your car and you can't see something kind of like to your flashlight comment to me, that's like super key. Um, one thing that you didn't mention, Rick, <laughs> and I, it's funny cause I'll complain about this and I'll swear by it at the same time. Um, my long acre, long acre liquid filled tire pressure gauge. <laughs> oh man. Total oversight, Scott. Good point. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 griped about my first one because it always gave me problems but man does it do a good job of reading pressure uh and i finally bought a new one and it works perfectly so i think i had a dud the first time around uh but that tire pressure gauge is key um and here's one that most people don't think about again back in the milwaukee line of tools um it's an electric ratchet so i'll, I'll give you an example we were at robling once and i had an um a valve cover leak and a BMW, go figure, right? That never happens. And to get all of like the 10 millimeter or 13 millimeter valve cover bolts off, there's like 12 of them. It just zipped right through them. Zip, 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 zip. And then it, it just made the, it made the job so much quicker. Um, and then you brought up a whole bunch of good stuff. You said zip ties. Yes. Um, I also bring, because it's a BMW and trim falls off all the time, double-sided tape. Um <laughs> 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 and you're making fun of my car. <laughs> I, I know. I just opened myself up for that. Uh, painter's tape, extra wire, um, a multimeter, that kind of stuff. Because for whatever reason, I run into a lot of electrical gremlins all the time. Um, yeah. And the last and last but not least, you said it, Rick, uh, gloves, some kind of gloves, uh, because my hands are beautiful and I want to keep them beautiful. And I actually little known fact about Scott. I despise having injured hands, fingers, fingernails, any of that kind of stuff. So I wear gloves all the time, but yeah, that's, that's my list. And, uh, we had a lot in common there. Um, I will add one thing. I happened to be roaming through, um, uh, home Depot one day and I saw this toolbox and it's kind of cool. It's like a, a rolling suitcase, but when you set it up on its end, it kind of like tears out into three different sections. And that is my go-to like travel toolbox now because you can get everything in there it's got little drawers for everything it's rough it's tough and it's got wheels on it and that's like the best thing i ever bought so yeah that'll round up my i don't know if that was a list of 10 but that rounds up my top 10 <laughs> well and i was kind of jumping so I, most of us have the same things on the list which is kind of cool but uh, there are some nuances some differences between all three of us but uh, um, i'll tell you so jackson jackson's yet yeah, everyone's gonna have them 
Um, I will say, and we'll maybe jump in this a little bit. I actually carry one, not so much for the car, but actually for the trailer if I'm towing the car. So uh, we'll touch base on that a little later. But um, it's funny. You can look in the garage and everybody has that same blue aluminum Harbor Freight Jack. I don't care who you are. Um, So that's like a staple. Um, So, again, you can't go wrong with that. I think they're like 80 bucks. Um, You know, cheap set of jack stands. Um, One thing I do carry is I carry one of those, and you guys have all seen those, air compressors slash jump starters. Um, I've actually killed my battery like three or four times leaving my lights on at different tracks. So you'd think I'd learn by now, but, um, that's one thing I try to not leave a home without. Um, I have an impact gun, electric one too, but unlike Scott, I'm, I'm not a big baller. So I don't have Milwaukee tools. I've had super good luck with, with whatever it is, the earthquake XC from Harbor Freight. I think it's like 200 bucks and, um, I've used it on the trailer on the cars and it hasn't let me down yet. And it's one of those things where if it does go down, I think there's a lifetime warranty on it, but good luck trying to use it. But nevertheless, <laughs> it, I've had I've had a good luck with it. Um, one thing I'll say, if you're a guy that drives a bunch of different cars, um, you might have a fully stocked metric toolkit. And then you go buy like a Mustang or something and you might need a non-metric Oof. tool. So kind of keep that in mind. But um, every year um, I might stock up just one of those cheap uh, Harbor Freight socket sets you spend the 30 bucks because they're going to walk away during the year uh, hopefully your car doesn't break but you know get, they, eventually you're going to use them uh, one thing i have that you guys don't bring but you guys aren't as crazy because i i always have like a five pound sledgehammer in my car and it sounds crazy but i've actually used this once where i had a little of an incident to actually be out of fender and my day kept going i'm sure most people probably might have one but it's kind of nice to have your own and uh it, this isn't really so much a tool as it is kind of a comfort thing, but I always have like a beach towel or a towel, a clean towel in the car, because if you get rained on, it's like really nice. And they just dry your hair off, jump in the, tr- in the truck and go. Um, and more on that, I usually carry like a poncho or like a golf rain jacket. So if it is pouring down rain, you can throw it on um, and stay somewhat dry. Uh, we all mentioned the tire pressure gauge. If you're just starting, I guess you got to get away with one of those 99 cent gas station ones, but uh, by probably your fifth, tenth, or tenth day, everyone's kind of graduated onto a, a better gauge. Uh, torque wrench, that's one thing I would spend a little money on. Everyone says the Harbor Freight one kind of goes out of adjustment. It may or may not be that big of a deal for a track day, so you know your mileage may vary on that. And the last one I have is I actually carry a portable power bank um, because I like to look cool, so i got to recharge GoPros if there's no power <laughs> and, and phones and things like that. Uh, some honorable mentions, again, always bring like an aspirin with you. There's nothing, wor- nothing worse than having a headache on a track day. So you can take care of that quickly. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought you said hangover. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> but nevertheless. Uh, and then, um, I always carried like, it's kind of funny, but I think I got like a file in my truck right now. It has tech sheets for all the different groups I run. Um, not that mine's never done, but you might have a friend that forgot their tech sheet. So if you have one, that's kind of a good deal. And, uh, just because I'm kind of affiliated with them, I do have a chill out system. Uh, always with me but that might be a little over the top for most people but so that kind of did my my toolkit but one thing i ask you guys does your do how far are you guys from most of your tracks so most of you guys are what an hour away from a, a road atlanta or amp or yeah hey do you know before we move on i think there's a an item that we should talk about too is not only what tools does everybody bring but what spares right it, because this is where i found as, as i started doing the homework that you outlined I thought about what do I, what else do I bring? It's not just tools. And that's where the car really gets junked up with all kinds of stuff that you might need. Maybe your car. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a fantastic point. Yes. I mean, and I bet you most of what everyone brings spare wise is, is 
maybe the same. I'll you have some nuances in there, but um, and, and I guess too, and, and Rick, and you can kind of elaborate more to this, and that's what I was getting with the, the distance. The further the event is away, I bet you the more packed you're going to start bringing stuff. But what spares <laughs> do you uh, do you bring generally with with your car that you're zip tied together? Yeah, well, you nailed it, right? I got to bring <laughs> spare zip ties. Um, so, so first off, I, I do bring spare tech forms. I have them stuffed in the top drawer of the toolbox where everybody will go look for them uh, because I have uh, many friends, uh, many friends that have not remembered their tech sheet. Uh, nobody call me out on me being the friend. Um, but in terms of spares, you're right, Gino. It, it varies uh, in proportion to the distance from home that I'm going to be. Uh, in fact, for Charlotte last year, I literally brought one of every tool I own, including my mini sledge and my welder. Um, <laughs> and I'm not kidding because at an event like that, and, and I was lucky enough to do the track night the night before, if, if I'm going to spend the time and effort to go up there, I mean, I love seeing all of you guys, but I want to run my car. And as a point to this, two years ago, I got to Charlotte, pulled my car off the trailer and it wouldn't drive straight. I had actually torn out a ball joint um, while I was towing it because I had it on a tow dolly and got stuck in a tight spot. So literally in the paddock, thank God I had tools and many others, including AJ and, and a couple other guys. We literally took the whole front of the car apart and replaced the ball joint, which Nick Thompson had on his trailer as a spare. So it, as you get further from home, your, your risk goes up and you want to bring more for a normal track day. I think it's totally reasonable. If you've thought ahead, you might not need any spares if you've replaced things. But usually good practice is a set of wheels since I've already got a truck and trailer and I'm messing with all of that. That way, if something happens, I flat spot a tire. I've got an option and a set of brake pads and brake fluid in particular. I can't count. Uh, I'll do it quickly. I at least five or six times I have given away all of the brake fluid that I had to people who were flushing uh, brakes or had overheated their brakes and boiled the fluid. So that seems to be a common one that, that is used. Yeah, it's kind of a good point. What about you, Scott? Now, I know you got a whole fleet of cars. So I'm, I'm sure it varies, but uh, what, what's kind of in your spares kit? I'm still a little bit speechless that he brought a welder to the track. <laughs> I, I don't know that I want to be around anything that Rick's welded on the track. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Um, <laughs> so from a spares perspective, it's usually BMW related. The other car, you either have it or you don't kind of thing. Um the BMW, I always carry uh, coolant hoses because for a while that car liked to eat the lower hose and I once got stuck and I learned my lesson. Um, to Rick's point, always a set of wheels with tires mounted. Usually what I do is I run a, a, a Continental DOT slick for the, for the track day um, and I'll bring an extra set of wheels with um, their like high performance, all the high performance summer tires that I use as my, using my quotation fingers, my, my rain tires, um, but they make good backups. All sorts of weird stuff happened. Quartered a tire, flat spotted a tire. I once had a brake caliper lock up and it flat spotted the tire. So, you know, you never know what you're going to run into. Unfortunately, that car is easy to get parts for. So if you got, if it happens early enough in the day, you can go to an auto parts store. But um, that's pretty much, that's pretty much what I'm bringing. I don't bring a whole lot of spares. Sometimes, like if we're going to Charlotte, if I'm going far, I'll bring an extra valve cover gasket. And I hate that car. Says the guy who made fun of my welder. <laughs> well, the welder, he's, re he's rebuilding his engine. 
<laughs> um, and, and coil packs because German cars love to eat coil packs. Um, and that's pretty much it. Uh, usually, see, I'm I'm kind of lazy in the respect. Like I don't bring a jack to the track because everybody else does. So that's less weight that I've got to carry. And you know, if there's if there's some goofy part that I need, I'm sure I could find it somewhere. I, I don't know. I, it, I've been kind of lucky in that the car has been fairly reliable, other than those little weird things. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of it. The NASCAR is a bit different because it's all the parts are kind of special. Um, but that car gets gone through. It literally, we do something called nut and bolt the car. So you literally touch every nut and bolt on the car between every event to make sure that it's good. So unless something really weird creeps up or you just go out and break something, it's usually pretty reliable. So I can tell you, let's have some fun with this. What's the uh, wackiest thing you guys have ever had to repair at a track day? I rebuilt a transmission in the paddock at a race once. <laughs> That's pretty good. I actually, uh, um, well, I want to hear Scott's story, actually. How did you rebuild a transmission in the paddock? (laughs) Well, so cup car transmissions aren't cheap. And on my very first race weekend, in the very first practice session, coming down to the 10A, I shifted from fourth down to third. And it's funny, when I let the clutch out in third, there was no third. (laughs) (laughs) I had an extra neutral. So, um, so we got back and we, we dropped the transmission out and my buddy Brian was like, Oh, I got a spare one, but it's at my house. So I had to drive all the way back down to Atlanta. We were at road Atlanta. So I, you know, our home, our back picked it up, put that transmission in the car, that transmission all of a sudden wouldn't go into gear. And it was like, we're all kind of puzzled. We're like, well, it worked when it came out of the car the last time. Why isn't it working now? And, I had no choice because these transmissions are like 6,000 bucks a piece. So like, well, I can't afford a new one. So I guess we're taking this one apart. And we took the whole thing apart <laughs> and just kind of found this. It was, you know, the littlest of things. It was this little bolt that had backed its way out and it backed out just far enough that it was stopping some internals from spinning and that stopped the car from going into gear. And we fixed that. And for, for literally no dollars, I was back on the track versus having to spend a ton on the, you know, my original transmission was shot, but my buddy's spare worked pretty well. So yeah. And, and I actually think I impressed a lot of people because most people in that series, they won't touch their own cars. You know, they'll, you know, they'll replace it or have someone else fix it. And there's Scott getting his hands dirty trying to, I'm like, I'm getting on the track one way or the other, you know, parts flying everywhere. Like, you know, so anyway, we did, we did it. So it was, it was, it was fun. It was stressful and fun all at the same time. Oh man. Guys, what about you, Rick? Anything crazy at the track? Yeah. Well, so I, I talked about pulling the car off and having to replace part of the suspension, but my, my worst day at the track actually happened at Barber one or two years ago. No, two or three years ago. And I had the Exoset. I had driven the Exoset from Atlanta. Uh, I had no tools. And fortunately, oh, you're uh, insane. yeah, uh, it was also 20 degrees when we left Atlanta that day. Uh, but <laughs> fortunately, Nick had some tools. Uh, Nick Thompson did because he always uh, is a gentleman with uh, toting his trailer and all the things you might need. And I tore into my Exoset where I had both broken a seat mount. A stock Miata slider had broken because I'm fat. And I had also vibrated a bolt loose, so my alternator had no tension. Somehow the belt miraculously stayed in the car after many, many laps of being an air-cooled exoset. And I came into the pits with a broken, an alternator bracket missing and a seat uh, mount broken. And with hand tools that were on Nick's truck, I swapped the seat. There was somebody that was nice enough to... Uh, offer me a drill bit which is something i've never ever needed at the track except for that time and uh, we in the span of an hour i only missed one session 
Uh, I jerry-rigged the alternator bolt thanks to Mike DeLauder uh, with his professional mechanic skills. And I swapped the seats in the Exoset. And that was probably the worst I've ever had at the track. <laughs> so I guess I'll jump in too since we're all sharing. Yeah. Stories. I think the, the craziest one I had was actually this year at Atlanta. Uh, I was driving the AOA car and uh, we got taken out. Car backed into the front stretch hard, frames bent. And uh, so John Tavares is trying to calm the driver down. So it was my turn to drive. So I'm kind of like, I'm driving. Hmm. So I took somebody's truck, wrapped the chain around the back of this Miata. We wrapped the front of the car to another truck. And so I'm using this diesel truck. I pulled the frame back out. We beat the trunk in. And uh, we finished the car with a, uh, half, a, half a Miata. But uh, I guess you never give up, really. But uh, it's uh, I think we're still doing 46s and 47s. So we're... We're still moving, but uh, there's a picture of that half of me out of somewhere finishing the race. But um, I guess we'll kind of move on here just a little bit. Um, I guess we should kind of talk about, you know, being a gentleman at the track a little bit. Uh, I don't think I've ever been declined a tool at the racetrack. I don't know about you guys. or Yeah, ne- never had an issue and always happy to lend them out. As long as people are respectful, they make sure it gets back to where it belongs. But that's part of the Jayzilla community. We've got good folks and very rarely does something disappear when you consider all the expensive hardware, tools, GoPros, computers that are sitting out in the paddock. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And one thing I, I'll kind of jump in and that all of you guys have experienced this. Um, you're at some point you're going to have an issue at the track. It's just inevitable. It's, it's not a big deal. It might be a little embarrassing depending on what the issue is. Um, but we do have a commitment to these tracks. So, you know, again, if, uh, if you're making a repair in a garage, um, we go to some really nice facilities, just always be conscious, you know, don't be dumping quartz oil at Charlotte in the garage, you know, all over the, on the ground. So just kind of be conscious of where we're at, um, and, and have some respect for some of the facilities and things like that. So, um, don't leave your car in the dumpster or something like that if, if all else fails, but, um, so we'll move on. So we've kind of got a, a toolkit uh, that we bring uh, just from experience. And I think a lot of people will identify with a bunch of that stuff. Hopefully some of that they don't have. Uh, but inevitably, if you are in this hobby, you're going to start shopping for tow vehicles and trailers. Uh, your trailer might get stolen like Scott, so you'll be shopping anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about that. At what point did you guys find that you needed to tow your vehicle to the track? Was it a uh, immediately or is it one of those things where you just decide hey i'm, I'm done uh driving this cartoon from i'm gonna start trailering it I, i'm gonna jump in i'm gonna jump in because i have the world's worst story so <laughs> I, I, I bought this bmw from my buddy scott sanders and we talked about this previously on a on a, on a, ca- on a podcast a couple weeks ago and he's like oh this car's great he goes you know i left the stereo in it because you can drive it to the track and he goes this car's got air conditioning in it you can drive it back and forth to the track He's like, just drive it back and forth to the track. Oh, okay, cool. So I drove up to AMP, and the very it was the very first time I had that car on a track. I drove it to AMP. The first session, something happened, and it it like tore a hole in the lower radiator hose. And after all day of searching for a hose, looking, talking to everybody in the paddock, nothing. I tried duct taping it and driving home. I ended up having to get towed. And it cost me three hundred twenty bucks to get home from AMP. <laughs> I was like, never again. <laughs> immediately, <laughs> immediately bought a trailer. <laughs> so, Rick, more power to you to drive in an exoset from Atlanta all the way out to Barber. <laughs> like, that's a bigger risk than, like, I don't know. Like, I, I just, than anything else I could possibly think of doing. Because the first time I tried it, I got stranded. I'm like, never again. And I tell you what, there's, 
it's a it is extra money right you got to have a tow vehicle you got to have a trailer but the amount of peace of mind that you get knowing that no matter what happens at the track you're going to get home to do whatever you got to do that night or the next day and to me that was everything so <laughs> that's how i decided i needed to tow <laughs> Gino, what, what about, about you, Rick? When did you decide to make – oh, I guess I'll, I'll go first. Um, so mine's a little traumatic. So most of you guys know whenever I go to Atlanta, it, it's an away game for me. It's a five-, six-hour tow. And a couple years ago, I think I was doing a NASA event in my golf R, and I went there and go figure the first day. I think my car spun a bell or something like that. Overheats. Just a, it's, it was a nightmare. Uh, for some reason, I thought it'd be a good idea to take it to the Volkswagen dealer over there and see if they could fix it. And it was going to be like $4,000 or <laughs> the case was. So I'm stuck in Atlanta. Uh, my car won't run. I'm five and a half hours away from home. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out what to do. So I'm like, all right, no big deal. Um, I'll just go to U-Haul, rent a pickup truck and a, and a car hauler. Well, it's Sunday, obviously, being a track day. So I have to go. I, get, I Uber to this U-Haul close to this Volkswagen dealership, which I have no idea where I'm at. And they say, no problem, sir. The only problem is the only truck they had was one of those 34-foot box trucks. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm like, screw it. I'm going to take this 34-foot box truck. I hook up to this car hauler. So it's Sunday night. By now, it's like 6.30. And I didn't plan to drive back until that Monday anyways. But I was staying downtown. So With a 36-foot box truck. <laughs> with a box truck. With a trailer. So mind you, this is already starting to get dark. I drive back to the track. Everyone's looking at me. Look at this fool. And then to top it off, it, the car really wouldn't get on the trailer. It was too low. So I kind of just jammed up on the trailer because I'm so frustrated. So it's tearing off the under trays and everything. <laughs> so then I'm like, all right, no big I'm going to go to the hotel, have a beer. It won't be that bad. So I didn't think about it. So I'm staying downtown. Um, so I end up parking in one of those open lots. So I buy like four tickets just so they don't tow it. <laughs> so I put all four of these tickets on the dash of this truck. And then the whole night I'm not sleeping because I'm like, I know someone's going to steal my car. It's downtown Atlanta. It's in this open exposed lot. Beautiful golf bar sitting on top of this U-Haul trailer. Um, and obviously I wake up real early because I need to get back home. So I'm towing this truck and this trailer. It's taking me through back roads. And eventually I make it home. And it becomes like a 48-hour ordeal. Cost me like $1,000 to get this car home. Oh so at that point, I was like, I'm going to tow the vehicle no matter what. So um, that's my story of, of, of towing. But uh, what about you, Rick? So – I am the ultimate, uh, some people would call it frugal. I think that's a nice word. I'm flat out cheap. So <laughs> I, I didn't actually get to the trailer point until a year or two. Well, actually two or three years ago. And for me, it became the same thing that both of you guys talked about. How much is my time worth? How much risk do I want to mitigate by owning a trailer? And, and let's be honest. Owning a trailer is a hassle. They get stolen. They're <laughs> tough to store, right? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you can't keep them at your house, right, Gina? So that's right. All of these things become a factor, and the for me, the decision was most of the racetracks are only an hour, hour and a half from me. And if I really had to, I can leave a car there. I can go get it later. That's a luxury. But you start talking about barber. Honestly, I drove the Exocet to Barber for two reasons. One is it was a funny story and it was something to do. And two, I knew that I had friends there that had trailers and cars that I could drive back if I had to. Uh, so that it was really not as risky as it sounds. But when we go to Charlotte, when we go to these other tracks and the harder you use a car, as Gino pointed out, the more likelihood you're going to need a trailer. And so it becomes a, a 
point of no return where your time is worth more than the hassle and cost and risk of owning a trailer. And to be fair, you really don't own a trailer. Well, that's going to be the other piece. And that, that's kind of a nice segue. I, I believe, and I'm the only one that believes this in the entire world, but I believe that a tow dolly is the ultimate trailer. And uh, <laughs> I, I have some very good reasons for this, despite the snickering from my co-host. Um, if you think about this, a trailer for those people that don't live in a country lot, you know, and they have a homeowners association and a two car garage and a driveway, a trailer is really freaking inconvenient. Or if you're Scott and you store it downtown, you know, stuff happens. Uh, so I don't own a trailer for that reason. I, I could, and I could store it like a lot of guys do and pay to store it, but it's an hour to get there and you got to load it up and you might get murdered if you store it where Nick Thompson stores his. And then you got to bring it home and then you got to load the car. There's a lot of steps here and you're talking four five, six hours just to deal with a stupid trailer. At that point, I might as well deal with my car potentially getting stranded. So I went to a tow dolly because you can park it. I mean, just about anywhere you can tilt some of them up on their end and store them, you know, up next to the house, like a wheelbarrow. And ultimately you might not be able to get a car on a tow dolly if you have a really bad incident, but you're already having a bad day at that point. For for anything short of a really nasty incident, a tow dolly works great. And I know there's a few cars you can't tow dolly and all that, and everybody will tell you you can't tow dolly a Miata, but do your research. There's a lot of cars that can be tow dollied. So you don't remove your drive shaft? No. Oh, no, I do not. Uh, actually... <laughs> For, since there's a lot of Miata people that'll listen to this, you know, a whole like six or seven at least, um, the the big controversy was that you can't flat tow or can't tow dolly a Miata. And I did a lot of research, and the common wisdom is that you can't. But I also was able to identify people uh, that travel the country in their motorhomes and flat tow or tow dolly Miatas. And there's plenty of documentation of tens and even a hundred thousand miles of towing that didn't damage these cars. So if they can get away with it, odds are I can. What about you, Scott? What's the, I, I guess we'll jump into that before we jump. What, uh, what do you tell with? Um, Rick? Oh man. Well, come on. It's gotta be a Toyota product. I think that's pretty much the only <laughs> answer. Um, you know, everybody, if you look around a paddock, there's a lot of forerunners and there's a lot of Sequoias and the big difference between the two is simply how much braking power you have and how stable it is with a heavier car. Um, you know, the, the four a little more budget friendly. The Sequoia is a little more convenient and a little more comfortable on long toes, but you know, there's not a wrong answer. If you've got a Toyota product. Until you compare it against a Ford. Well, <laughs> you know, you could talk about outrunning me on the highway when we went to Charlotte. I can't, well, that sounds like some backstory, but <laughs> can't believe he remembers that. What's uh, what's your current uh, setup, uh, uh, Scott? Do you have like a, a 53 foot hauler for your NASCAR and a, and a stacker and all that, or what do you uh, what do you work? I with? was just shopping stackers. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a point in time when I was like, how how great would it be to bring two cars to a track for when one breaks? And I was like, oh, it's probably smarter just to not break the car. Um, <laughs> I. <laughs> I had I had a an 18 or 20 foot uh, open all aluminum uh, like you know hauler flatbed kind of thing, um, and I tow with I have a late model F150 with the uh, EcoBoost V6 the tr- twin turbo V6, um, 
the the open the open trailer was perfect it was inexpensive um i had a winch on it to pull broken cars up and all sorts of stuff and it was aluminum so it was light and what i liked about the aluminum and it being light was that you actually saved on fuel and it was easier to tow and all that fun stuff um and that setup worked really really well for me for a long time the only reason i'm even considering an enclosed trailer now is because that trailer was borrowed by someone who i didn't authorize to borrow it and they never brought it back so (laughs) now i've got to look for something else um so before I go into my desired future setup, I'll stay. I'll say for for the average track day enthusiast, um, if I, I, tow dollies make me nervous, I, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I feel like some like planes, trains, and automobiles thing is going to happen. It's going to rip off all the arrow on my car. But the other thing that actually really concerns me about the tow dolly more than anything else is that you, if you've got if you're not bringing a separate set of tires then you're driving your track tires on the street all the way up there, you know, and you can get punctures and that kind of stuff. That's really what worries me about it. But outside of that, Rick, you got a good point. I mean, it's easy, you know, if the, if, if the setup's reliable, you don't have too much of an issue. And especially if you don't have a problem getting the car up on it, you know, scraping or tearing off spoilers or, or diffusers or anything like that. So, um, I don't know. That's where I'm at. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I guess I'll just jump into you. So I, my current setup, um, usually because I'm towing the two is I actually lucked out. I bought a, single actual tilt trailer for like 500 bucks a couple years ago and it fits my car perfectly um and i tow it with a i have a diesel x5 and before that i had a a had an xc90 volvo that just had this badass v8 and that sounded really good but um (laughs) nevertheless um i kind of play around that for a longer trip uh the single axle kind of makes me a little bit nervous so i just borrow my buddy's uh, 18 foot aluminum uh so when i went to summit point um, i'll use that and I actually towed, I think as far as, I actually towed up to Watkins Glen this year, so that was kind of a, a far one for me. So it makes sense for me to tow. Um, let's talk a little bit about going the enclosed versus the open. Have any of you guys ever had any any experience with the enclosed trailers? Or I, I get a good bit of experience with it. Everybody that I race with has an enclosed trailer. I'm like the only schmuck that runs up there with a NASCAR on an open trailer. But um, th- there's two reasons why the enclosed trailer starts to make sense after a certain point. One, if you've got a car that really can't be out in the rain, um, and that car in particular, if you tr- if you trailer that car and it rains, the intake for the engine is basically like uh, it- – it's kind of ducted off of the windshield. So the water runs right down the windshield into the air cleaner and down through the carburetor. So, (laughs) yeah, that's just the way it works. So without an enclosed trailer, you got to be very, very careful. And one time we were going up Carolina Motorsports Park and it was actually on the way home. So I got lucky. I got caught in the rain and the guy that works on the car for me, who's like does his NASCAR black magic stuff, said, don't even try and start it. Bring it to me. We got to pull the plugs. We got to dry the motor out and then you can do it. So, like, that was like, oh, this is going to be a pain in the butt, like, with the open trailer. Um, the other piece of it is if you're at the track for a whole weekend, like, a track day is one thing. But if you're there for a whole weekend, the trailer becomes your home. And it's your paddock. It's your pit, whatever you got. So, um, when you start looking at trailers that you can store the car in and then during the day when the car is out, have, uh, like, a built-in toolbox or a generator or lights or an awning or something to keep you out of the sun and deal with all that stuff – it becomes really handy. Um, and we were talking about data in the, on one of the last calls. Um, like the idea of being able to put your laptop on a, on a bench and just kind of like look at the data and do all that kind of stuff, not in the beaming sun all day. It really starts to pay dividends on fatigue and all that kind of stuff. So I know that sounds bougie. I know that sounds like, well, we're only talking track day stuff. And I agree. It's not really necessary for, you know, going to your average Jay Zill event. But when you start doing multi-day events, then you start kind of seeing the value in that. And the enclosed trailers, I'm looking at them now clearly because my – 
my other trailer's gone. Um, the, you can get you can get an enclosed trailer pretty inexpensive. Like I see brand new ones, a twenty foot enclosed box, brand new for five thousand bucks or fifty seven hundred bucks. That's pretty darn cheap for what you get. So I mean, granted, it's not fancy; it doesn't have the tile floors and the lights inside and all that kind of stuff. But you can add that from Home Depot. That's easy. Um, so it's it's kind of it's a consideration if you're like the three of us who do a lot of towing. Um, and the one thing that I don't think anyone, I don't know how much you guys paid attention to, but my F-150 has got a separate odometer for um, trailers. And I towed like, I never thought this, like 13,500 miles worth of towing alone <laughs> over the last four years. Like that's a lot of, tra- that's a lot of going back and forth to the track. So the mileage does add up. So if you think about what you're going to invest in, it's probably worth the consideration. Yeah, and I guess I guess I'll just jump in because I also for my for my chump car I have a I have a twenty four foot enclosed, and I hate it. Um, so just to give you guys a little background, if you guys go for the enclosed trailer, uh, yeah, sure, yeah, a half ton or pull. Like I certainly wouldn't want to pull with my X five uh, that big of a trailer. But um, if you go the enclosed route, the the benefits are there, but so are the, the negatives. Um, just from my own experience, um, the security of the car. You know, if you're making a, a hike up to a, a track far away. It's nice knowing the car is locked up in the hotel parking lot. No one's messing around with it. All your tools are locked up uh, versus having, you know, getting your car out there in the elements and, and who knows what's going on with it. Uh, but the, the drawback is, is you're probably going to need a little bigger truck to tow it. Um, you know, some people even tell you you need to start going to three-quarter tons by that point. Um, and then the, the mileage factor of it. The, the nice thing is when you go with an open trailer, that your gas mileage is going to go down tremendously. But, you know, again, it's, uh, it's the, the cost-benefit you're going to have to decide for your own self. Um, but you talking to Rick about towing that many miles, like I think I'm at 20,000 miles this year. Wow. And that's part of the reason why I went with a, with a diesel truck as opposed to a, a gas truck, just because I think I actually spent some time on inspiration and actually made more sense. Um, so as far as we move on, if you had to build a new setup right now, let's say within reason, so no stackers, no motorhomes, <laughs> that, what would your ideal setup be for what you guys use? Rick, go for it. You can go. Oh, yeah, you can go first, Rick. All right, I got to figure this out. Well, I'm still a fan of the tow dolly, and it comes. Down, <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness, it comes down to the convenience. And we talked about the the time it takes if your car's stranded at the track, the money that it can take. But the flip side of that, and I've debated this time and time again, is I'm just not willing to go to store a trailer off site at one of those lots and take the hour or hour and a half it takes round trip to go get it and you know, do that because you're going to do that twice for each track day, pick it up and drop it off. And, and I'm just not willing to do that. So I, the truth be told, I'm happy with my current setup, uh, you know, a uh, used Sequoia that uh, looked pretty decent when I bought it. And it's got a few extra grease stains now. Cause you know, my car apparently spits grease like a, uh, one of those lizards in uh, Africa. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I'm very happy with it. I, I went to road Atlanta and did a two day this year, uh, slept in the truck and, you know, it idled most of the night and kept me comfortable. And, uh, you know, I had room for all of the tools that I needed. Um, you know, it is somewhat less than ideal if it's raining or if it's a real long weekend at a, you know, kind of a out of the way facility, but I don't do a lot of those, you know, my, my normal is around Atlanta and I, I don't see much need for anything else. But, Gino, I am a little jealous of that single axle aluminum because that would be the only thing that would tempt me away from a tow dolly. Yeah, and, and the only thing that makes me nervous about it is if one of those tires were to fail, I don't really know how that would, how that would <laughs> respond. But, uh, 
I guess I hope I'll never find out. But Pretty exciting. What about you, Scott? You're uh, you're happy with your current setup? Well, I guess not stolen. But uh, <laughs> what, his what, current what setup your, is a toe strap. <laughs> yeah, my current setup yeah. is me staring out my window, crying. Where'd it go? <laughs> So uh, if you're going to replace it, uh, I think you actually were, we discussed this a little bit. What do you uh, what are you thinking you're going to replace it with? Are you going to have to get a bigger truck? So you're kind of in that ideal uh, um, spot where you're going to have to do this anyway. So yeah, I, I've been doing a lot of research. So for an open trailer, going back and forth to the track, the F-150 is is stellar. I love it. It's it's been great. Um, but I'm looking at 28 foot enclosed boxes. I want something that's big enough to hold the car and have a little bit of a workshop in there. Um, so that puts me on the ragged edge I think my truck is rated at like 11,300 pounds towing and the trailer itself is 6,000 pounds. So yeah, when, when you start, you know, you start carrying all the tools and spares and, and floor jacks and all that kind of stuff, it gets up there. So um, my, my plan is going to be to probably pick up this 28 foot box and use it until about the middle of next summer and then look at trading the truck in on a single wheel F two fifty diesel Um and just kind of biting the bullet and saying, okay, now I'm way in over my head. I got to keep going. It's too late to turn around. So I need a trailer. I, pref- you know, and at this point I'm looking, you know, if I'm spending three days a weekend at a track, you know, multiple times uh, over the summer, then it's going to be that 28 foot box. So I don't know. Wish me luck. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> it could go downhill. <laughs> what about you, Gino? Because you seem to have a customized trailer, depending on what you're doing. You have multiple options. Yeah, so it, it would just depend. So really, the ultimate option is I'm just gonna just start flying in, and I'm gonna drive one of the uh, the cup cars, so I don't have to worry about this anymore. But um, in the meantime, I, I'm pretty happy with what I have. I guess I bought this really cheap single axle trailer. I think a lot of you guys have seen it. I just drive the car on. There's no ramps. It tilts back and forth. Uh, but that being said, I will tell you from experience, um, as much as I like being cheap, if I was gonna do it again. Um, a buddy of mine has a, a really nice um, aluminum trailer, kind of like the one that Scott had <laughs> stolen. Um, so, <laughs> basically the same trailer, and, and it's kind of spoiled me. So if, if I'm going to buy something, I probably will buy one, uh, but I'm fortunate that um, I can just use this whenever. Um, I've also had good luck. So if you guys are, are doing a long run and you don't want to make the investment, um, some people are dead set against them, but I love the U-Haul car haulers. Uh, they're heavy. I, I think the damn thing's heavier than my car. Um, but they have their own brakes. You don't have to worry about a brake controller, anything like that. I think it's 54 bucks a day. So a lot of times you're just going to see me rent one of those because there's a place right across the street from me. Um, I can throw the, the Mazda on or the E46 um, or the Mini on them and not even have to worry about it. So um, a lot of you guys, if you're local to Atlanta doing, doing the Zilla events, um, you don't really need to make that kind of investment. It's, it's when you're going to be making the, the long hauls. But um, I would spend more time on what you're going to tow with than anything you, the again you don't have to have a bazillion dollars to do this but i'm really partial to suvs i really don't like pickup trucks and so i've always to- towed with suvs and again i, I have a x5 uh, e70 diesel um i love it i can tow up and down the mountains with it i can go 95 miles an hour towing the car and have no issues um i can take on the track if all those failed so um that's kind of where i've uh, found that what i'm happy with um uh, but again it just depends on your budget and uh, what you had to work with, um, we had Fred on a couple weeks ago, and, and he just bought a, an old 7.3 diesel and loves it. Um, then there's guys that have $75,000, you know, 2,500 Rams and F-250s that, that love them too. So it's really dependent on your budget. But if you do this enough, I promise you're going to be searching for tow vehicles. And so just do your research and see what you're happy with um, is what I would say. Definitely, Gina. Where do you guys fall on split trailers, the, the car hauler versus an actual flatbed trailer? 
The, and the difference I being, I don't like know what you're asking. The center section that's open, like the the U-Haul trailers. I think I've seen oh, you oh, use. having. Yeah. Oh, you mean the with the deck? So you know, that's a good question. Um, I I like having the flat deck. Um, I just I think it looks better to me, and I think you could have more use for it if you're going to haul a quad or a golf cart down the road. Um, but that being said, that open deck is kind of intriguing because actually on my single axle, I've changed the oil in my car and uh-huh. a pinch just going up underneath it. So I, I'm not, I'm not impartial. I, I think it's a, I, I do think it's a cool option. So that's what I was going to say. It makes for a portable lift essentially, right? You can get to the whole center section of the underneath. So there is an argument for it. There really is a good argument for it. <laughs> They're also lighter too. So there's that. And uh, so just for fun, before we kind of end this call, if uh, if money was no object, what would the ultimate haulers be for you guys? Man, I already spotted it and sent it to Scott. I don't know why he's not talking about it. There, Somewhere down around thirty-five dollars or $45,000, there was a uh, – I don't even know what it was, but it looked like a tractor-trailer cab that had sleeping quarters and the whole nine yards for a fifth wheel. And I'm not sure why Scott doesn't own it. Maybe he's worried it'll get stolen from in front of his house. <laughs> <laughs> because because storing a toter in Midtown is really convenient. <laughs> gotcha. So it sounds like it sounds like what we already have an idea of what Scott needs to buy. So I think he just needs to kind of get on. As it. long as it hauls two cars, so he can take mine with him. I mean, we're good. That's what it's all about. You got to help your buddies out. <laughs> yeah. Be a gentleman at the track, like we were talking about. There you have it. Awesome, guys. Well, I think that uh, hopefully that's some good information for you guys. Um, just a little bit touching on tow vehicles, what we use. And, uh, you know, again, it's uh, again, it just goes back to your budget and what you're going to use. Uh, there are certain, uh, believe me, the benefits of just driving your car to the track are huge. Um, but if you get into this any amount, having a place to haul your spares, and if something goes wrong, just as you heard from our experience, it is kind of nice to kind of touch and do it. And then also, too, as far as your track toolkits, that will be customized to what you guys use. Um, hopefully if, uh, some of the things we have you don't have in your toolkit maybe it kind of jogged your mind a little bit so uh, that being said gentlemen thank you guys for coming on for this episode uh, do you guys want to add anything before we sign off hey Gino just one thing to add and it goes to what we want to encourage with the folks that are at Jayzilla this can quickly become a sport where you just open your wallet and I want to make sure that it, at least from somebody's perspective they hear that that's not what it's about it's about having fun And if you don't have these things, if you're sitting there thinking, man, I'm scraping together my track day fees and I just love being on the track. That's great, too. Right. This is these are years and years of evolution for all three of us to get to the point where we we even know what we want, much less have it. And all of us spent years doing this without all of the goodies, uh, without the the spares, the trailer, the tow vehicle, the chill out, you know, all that stuff. Um, and it's very viable to do it without those things. You know, we don't want this to discourage people from coming out. That That's a solid point, Rick. And the other thing to consider, too, is that each each of us and just like everybody else out there, our goals are different. Right. Like I'm spending three days, a three day weekend at a track because that the, my events are that long. Right. But some folks, if you're just going up for the day, then all you need is an open trail. You don't need all the fancy stuff. And so, yeah, to your point, it's like different strokes for different folks. And don't you you get there if you need to get there. And if you don't have it now, you just you make do with what you got. And to Gino's point. Right. I, I can't tell you how many times I've rented that U-Haul trailer and yeah, it's heavy, (laughs) 
but it's heavy so the it's heavy so the average person doesn't break them right and okay so that's one less thing you got to worry about and you bring it back when you're done you have to store it and so there's great options for everybody out there um even text trailers i believe um they'll rent you a trailer too and those are like legitimate you know you can go off and buy them off the lot kind of trailers so uh lots of options out there don't don't ever compete with the joneses do what you need to do and do what works for you and you know stay in your league and and you know have fun at the track it's that's really what it comes down to making your day at the track successful and stress-free that's really what the goal should be yeah and i'll just jump into it before we sign off here um two things if you guys are local to atlanta and you're doing atlanta or excuse me atlanta motorsports park road atlanta a lot um take five minutes and if it's your street car go look up a triple a membership and look at what the uh, toe radius is you might be surprised by that so that's a that's kind of a friendly tip that i know a lot of track guys use i think it's like 100 miles with a, with a gold membership, whatever it is. So take a look at that. And uh, second, if anything does ever happen at a track, I can promise you right now I could go to any day and I can think of 10 people and I can say, hey, uh, I have an issue. Can I borrow your trailer? Can you tow my car here? And I promise you they would do it immediately, um, except for Scott because his trailer is stolen. But, uh, <laughs> Salt, wound. <laughs> uh, with that being said, guys, some great points. Uh, hopefully a lot of good advice uh, for you guys. And um, that being said, we will sign off here. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a good night. And uh, I guess we'll catch you guys in the next uh, podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you. So that was episode number seven of the Jay's Love Podcast. I know it ran a little bit long, but there was a lot of good information from Rick and Scott on towing our cars to the track and as well as what our toolkits consist of. Stay tuned for episodes 8, 9, and 10 that are already getting booked, and uh, we appreciate everyone's support on the podcast. So we'll see you at the next one.